another very strong woman joining us and somebody I, I greatly admire and I get to hang out with uh, every Wednesday on her program is Gretchen Carlson. She's host of The Real Story with Gretchen Carlson on Fox News Channel. She has a new book that she's authored entitled Getting Real. It's really a good read. And I don't just say that I'm not kissing up to her because I'm on her show every Wednesday. Uh, over <laughs> her 25 years, uh, she has a background as an award-winning journalist, a political commentator, and she's earned a reputation for speaking her mind. If you watch her show, and you should, especially on Wednesdays, uh, you can see that she does that. Uh, she talks about public policy. She even talks about her own personal choices, and, and she puts that into her conversations and into her opinions on her television show, and she certainly does in her book, Getting Real. Good to have with me Gretchen Carlson on the show. Hey, Gretchen, how are you? Good afternoon. Leslie, I feel like we just got done talking to each other because you were just on my show. Um, I, so thank you so much for, for having me today. And being that I go through L.A. traffic, it really felt like I just came off the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always great to, to talk with you. Of course, you're part of the, uh, you know, the pundit debate team that we have on Wednesdays uh, on the left and the right. And um, it's a great pleasure to have gotten to know you over the years. So thank you. Likewise, uh, likewise. I, I want to tell you this. Honestly, I meet um, the people will come up to me and recognize me nowhere near as much as you. But people will talk to me about two individuals, I swear to God, you and Bill O'Reilly. And, <laughs> and, and people will say to me, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I agree with her or, or women who just find that you're very likable. And I've met you in person a, a few times and, you know, worked with you for years. And uh, you are very likable. And honestly, that really comes across in your book, which makes it enjoyable to read. It makes it easy to read. So I, I commend you for that. I think that's, uh, that's well, not easy thank to do. you. You know, there's something, I grew up in Minnesota, and there's something there called Minnesota Nice, which is definitely true. If you've ever been there or traveled there, you know that, like, for example, in rush hour or traffic, people in Minnesota are, like, actually stopping and letting other people cut them off. <laughs> you know, they, they, like, wave them in and go, oh, it's okay. And so, you know, one thing that I always wanted to remain true to was the values and the way in which I grew up with the wonderful people there. And I always hope that I have not changed at all, no matter where I've lived or what achievements or failures I've had along the way. And, um, you know, I still hold, I still hold just so true that my, my roots. And I think that's, that comes across in the book. And I appreciate you pointing that out. Why did you decide to write it? And I say that because I know that you do television. I know that um, you have done movies. You're out in L.A., right, this past year yeah. uh, doing a movie. Um, in addition to that, you know, you have children. Uh, you know, you have two children, right, as well? Yeah. Uh, just like, you know, I do. And I know what it's like juggling. And I don't have a full-time, everyday television show. You know, I'm a contributor at Fox. I have the radio show. Television can be a lot harder and more time-consuming prep-wise. So what made you say, hey, let's add some more stuff on my plate? <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting because somebody approached me about 10 years ago to, to write my life story, you know, the, the sort of odd nature in which I've gone on to do different things. I started my life as a really serious classical violinist as a child. That was going to be my career, and then I burned out. So then I unexpectedly used that talent to become Miss America because 50% of your points are based on talent. And then I unexpectedly got into television, knowing that my LSAT scores would be good for five years because I always wanted to go to law school. And here I am, you know, 25 years later. But I, I didn't want to write the book 10 years ago, and I'm really glad I didn't because some things have happened that gave me so much more perspective on the world and I think makes the book so much more interesting. Number one, I came to Fox News. I've been there for 10 years. Number two, I did have my children over that 
you know, 10 years. And obviously that changes our lives perspective completely, as you know. Um, and number three, I went over 40 and really it was so liberating for me. And I know for so many other women and men, because it really has afforded me the opportunity to not care what other people think about me. And that has just been so important, especially with where I work and, you know, kind of the, the knocks and the hits that I take on a daily basis. And that really started after being Miss America. So I, um, I've, I've grown some really thick skin over people's criticisms of me. And oftentimes it just has to do with the fact that I have blonde hair and I was Miss America and I work at Fox. And it's like, wait a minute, why, why does that automatically make me dumb, you know? So... I really just wanted to show people that I am so much like everyone else. I've had a tremendous amount of failures in my life, and I chronicle many of them for the first time in the book. You know, so many things. Uh, one, I was supposed to go to Juilliard. I was a piano player. I burnt out. And so I wanted to ask you, uh, being that you, um, yeah, as a child, were a concert violinist from the age of mm. six. And I, 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 we have to go out for cocktails. We have way too much in common, we girl. We do. <laughs> but I, I wanted to do you ever – do you ever regret not going down that path? You have an extremely success, successful career. It's nowhere near over. But do you ever think, hmm, if I ever have another career, or do you ever wonder or fantasize about having taken that different path musically? I know. It's, it's, it's such a great question. And, you know, when I moved to New York City, my apartment looked right over Carnegie Hall, <laughs> which, you know, was always my dream in life to be a famous artist and perform there on a regular basis. So it was almost kismet and karma that my apartment ended up being there. But to be honest with you, as a child, I saw a lot of successful musicians, and to me, they didn't seem happy. And also on top of that, I really would have had to have just had tunnel vision in life, as you can appreciate, to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish in the music world. And the honest answer is, I just liked to do too many other things. And I realized I was going to have to give all of that up. So... No, I don't regret it. I think it's made it easier to not regret because I did go on to achieve other goals using the talent. And I'm still a huge, staunch advocate of the arts, and my children both play piano on a serious level. And I really believe that kids learn immense discipline from focusing so much on an instrument or a sport or academics or whatever it is. And they learn that by putting time into something, they get better at it. And that builds self-confidence from the inside of their soul, and it's something that nobody can ever take away from them. And, and so I remain just a huge advocate of the arts in general, and I use that talent and discipline every single day in my life today, even though I'm not playing the violin. Uh, Gretchen, you know a lot about my uh, politics. I'm, I'm also a feminist, and I have to say something that I don't like within women that often define themselves as feminist is this idea that women who are uh, in beauty pageants, um, as you were and won the title of Miss America, um, like you say, you know, I'm blonde, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I play the violin, I was Miss America. Why does that make me dumb? And I, and I know this. My cousin was runner-up for Miss Massachusetts. I think you guys have met, actually. And she still works in pageants. And she's a very successful attorney. You're an extremely successful woman. Um, mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that women out there who use everything they have – my dad used to tell me that. Use everything you got, girl. You know, right, and, and, right. and seriously, if you if if you're if you're attractive, you know, and and, and intelligent, why not do things that uh, satisfy both of those areas? So do you yeah. hope that this book 
because uh, I'm going to ask you more about what you hope the book does. But with regard to the pageants, do you hope this speaks to women out there who've been d- doing pageants all along or are in them now or maybe have them in their past and, you know, aren't as proud of them as they should be, perhaps? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, another, it's another really good question. You know, the... First of all, the book Getting Real is not political at all. <laughs> I mean, the, the main message in my book is all about empowering women, because I have been a, a staunch advocate as well of women's rights from the get-go. So you and I should also have a cocktail about that. <laughs> because, you know, oftentimes, uh, especially when you've been a former Miss America, people think like, oh, you don't believe in, you know, equality for women and all that. And my mom used to say to me, why do you always have to talk about women's rights? Well, now my mom's running a corporation at 74 years old, and she calls me up and says, now I know <laughs> why you are always talking about women's rights and women in the workplace. So, you know, for me, this book is about empowering women, no matter what you choose to do with your life. And it's been such a mission of mine for my entire life. It's making the most of who you are, whether you're a woman or a man. And if you choose to be in a pageant and win scholarship money and perform your talent, like Miss America offers, which is totally different from other pageants, by by all accounts, then that should be your personal choice, and you should be you should be applauded for having the guts to get up on the stage and showcase those talents. And by the way, after I won, when I went back to Stanford University, I got to call my parents and say, "Guess what, Mom and Dad? You don't have to pay for Stanford anymore. I got this covered." Now. What is wrong with that? Somebody Gretchen, do me a favor. Just say the name of the school you went to again so people get a grasp of what a Miss America can do. It's not just about a pretty face and a, and a, and a crown and a great body and a nice dress. Right. right. I mean, so I, I was a student at Stanford University. I was valedictorian in my high school class. I also studied at Oxford University. Um, you know, this is about hard work and perseverance and a lot of pitfalls. And let me mention, by the way, that I grew up a fat kid and... So for, for me, pageants were never on my radar screen. Another huge lesson in my book, Getting Real, is about building your self-esteem from the inside out because I certainly wasn't building mine from my exterior as a kid. And I think that that conversation is just so crucial for young women and men today, especially in 2015 with social media and Photoshopping and everything being just an unrealistic expectation as to how we look on the outside. So... I struggle. I still struggle with my weight. It's just that I know how to have it a little bit more in control. But trust me, my favorite hobby is still to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of that, um, I, I feel you. Boy, do we have a list of uh, cocktail dates coming up now. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Well, the New York Stock Exchange, United Airlines had computer problems, and I guess we had some crazy satellite glitches, but we always have a plan B. We are back with Gretchen Carlson, who you can follow on Twitter, at Gretchen Carlson. Catch her every weekday on The Real Story with Gretchen Carlson, and I am honored to be a part of her program on Wednesdays. Gretchen, it must have been the men who were hearing about women being empowered who did something to our wiring just when we were talking about it. Uh, yes. Well, I also, uh, you know, talk not only about empowering women in the book, but about some kind of grisly situations that I've had with certain powerful men in the business that came as a total shock to me when I was just a young ingenue at 22, starting to get into the business of television. And so I document, you know, my struggles with sexual harassment in my book, Getting Real, as well. And I also faced a life-threatening stalker for four years that I've never, ever talked about until now. And in researching the book, I knew what an important story it was to tell for women, but I felt 
scared to tell it because I haven't heard from him for a while and I didn't know if it would rekindle his interest. But in writing it, Leslie, I found out that he had passed away. And it gave me the courage to bring this story forward because obviously a lot of people suffer from this but also suffer from domestic violence, which is very similar. I've done a lot of work on that issue. And I just wanted people to know that I've been there and I, I understand the pain and the fear that goes along with that. I, you know, I, that's one of the things I'd related to, but not on the level. I mean, I'll watch ID channels sometimes. I can be an ID channel, you know, addict, and I watch that show on stalking. And uh, it, this is something that went on for years, right? You were hunted by this man for years. Yeah, for four years. He actually was fixated by the whole Miss America thing. He actually was a brilliant guy in medical school and had some sort of a, you know, mental illness problem, which is usually how, what it usually stems from. And um, in many cases, you know, it's, it's the, not the victim that people end up caring about. It's, it's the perpetrator that seems to have the law on their side. And that's kind of what happened to me. He, he ended up stalking my parents in Minnesota, and then he came to my first job in Richmond, Virginia. I'll never forget getting one of the letters from him and seeing that the postmark was from Richmond. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, he's, he's here now. And he was there for, for two years. The entire time I was there, I almost quit the television business because what worse place to be than be a public figure when somebody's trying to find you? And then I moved to Cincinnati and thought I got rid of him, and turned out he, he also followed me there. And thanks to a detective in Cincinnati who finally got enough charges against him to bring him to court, and I did get him convicted, but you'll, you won't like this part of the story in that he only got probation in his conviction. He violated the probation and ended up getting one year in prison, and uh, that was that was it. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, after that, he never contacted me again. But I don't think people understand what it's like to live in fear like that, twenty four seven, and um, you know, always wonder if he's right behind you. What advice would you give, Gretchen? There are women and perhaps men as well um, that are listening right now um, that might be experiencing this. Um, or, or what do you want people to know from that story in your book? You know, what advice would you give people who are victims of stalking? Yeah, I mean, first of all, for the sexual harassment thing, I, the reason I wanted to talk about that was because I want to encourage women to come forward and not be worried about the fact that they're going to be labeled a troublemaker. I feel like if we can have a national conversation about this and, and women come forward in mass if it happens to be happening to them, that we can get rid of that stigma, number one. Uh, number number two on the stalking situation, I do believe that laws have changed to make it easier for victims to get more attention, but it still seems to be a situation that nobody cares until you're possibly dead, and it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be that way. I I know that it's happening to people who are not well known, um, and those cases have a harder time getting paid attention to. But I would just encourage people to be relentless about coming forward and going to detectives and going to police officers and and to just say you have to pay attention to this and in fact use my use my name and my example because that's that's what I ended up doing I eventually got a panic alarm that I was able to wear around my neck um, that gave me some help you know in the event that he was anywhere near me I could press this button and if I was within 200 yards of my home it would immediately call 911 um, but you know, the more that we come forward and press the issue and try and get attention on it, the more changes that we're going to be able to have in the way in which the legal system handles it. Uh, Gretchen, thank you for helping me uh, being a part of your great show. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back right after this. 
How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.